Welcome back to the podcast. Another Q&A episode for you all today. So before we get into the questions, Dan, you want to give us a little update on yourself? Yeah, buddy. Uh, I'm good. Uh, it's pissing down rain down here at the minute. I'm still down uh, working in Bristol. Um, lovely city, uh, beautiful, but uh, it's like a mini London. Like there's always police going about and sirens and ah, oh, it can be and like the the flat that I'm in is in the city centre as well. So it's pretty noisy all the time. I've managed to get myself in a good little gym uh, that's around the corner, and um, which makes get getting there very easily, training very easily because they all have all have good bits of kit. The dumbbells are heavy enough. Would you believe that the gym I was training at before didn't have heavy enough dumbbells? Like they only went up to thirty. And I said to the manager, I was like, I, I, I'm on the road to 50, 50 kilos. Like, how am I supposed to be benching 50 kilos if you've only got 30s? And you want to know what his reply to me was? What? He said, oh, you can still make do with the 30s, though. And I was like, mm, that's not strictly true, though, is it? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I managed to get a good gym now. Um and yeah, things going well, life's going good, train's going good. What about yourself? All good. I mean, I was down at the PCA British Finals and first ever PCA Expo at the weekend down in Birmingham, or Telford to be specific. And that was ace. That was really, really good. You always come away from a bodybuilding show. Well, I always come away from a bodybuilding show feeling really, really highly motivated for my next sort of block of training or next goal, whatever I'm working towards. So it was a good little um, sort of like incentive to go and compete again, to be better next time I compete. So I took a, I took away quite a lot from that. There was a little part of me that it was quite tough watching my class at the British finals because obviously technically I'm qualified for that. Yeah. But but I'm glad I didn't diet for an entire year to do that. So because, um, I mean, you know, it's very easy to say when you're not in it to just keep going um health wise wouldn't have been a good idea and just life wise it wouldn't have been very good because you know i wouldn't have been able to go on holidays i wouldn't be able to do any weekends away you know not eating off plan for an entire year or not having a meal out not being able to go for coffee or whatever it's like that is pretty intense so um so yeah. i'm glad I, I did it the way i did it and finished after after doing the pca universe but uh as i say definitely lit up a fire for me to do it again and um and be better next time so Took away a lot from the weekend. Also just had a really fun time. It's a really good time. Catching up with some people, um, meeting some faces I haven't seen in a while. So yeah, that's kind of the latest with me. So you want to get started with the questions? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll go, I'll go first. Um, because we've both got a couple of questions each. We'll try and not go on a mass ranting um war. Uh to do with this. So the first one is, and I'm just gonna read out. <clears throat> what the question actually says and because some of them are worded quite weirdly um but you know i want to give the person who said this their question so it's tips for long-term weight loss success okay we can just rattle off some tips each then if you want um i would say first things first starting off with the nutritional plan without a calorie deficit without a nutrition structure or without some sort of idea of what your target is nutrition-wise, you're going to struggle to find long-term success. So setting that up as a priority at the very start is important. Um, 
finding foods and the structure of a diet that you enjoy is something that over the years I've come to appreciate more. Um, I think when I started out as a PT, I would say this is the best thing you can do rather than this might be the best thing for you, if that makes sense. And that's something probably we've both learned over the years. So I would say to anyone listening to this who is in that situation, and particularly the person who's asked the question, I would recommend finding things that fit your schedule, timing of meals, foods that you enjoy, something that creates a diet or a way of eating that gives you a sustainable way of eating it for a long period of time. For example, a fad diet is the last thing you would ever consider for long-term progression because it's only ever a short-term thing. So something that you can maintain a good balanced diet for a long period of time is going to give you the best amount of success. So tips would be foods you enjoy, structure that you you can stick to, which is important. So you've got long, long-term success and um and fitting it all into ideally into a calorie deficit. Pretty solid. Uh I know the person that's asked this question. Um, and obviously, you know, I'm not gonna say any names, but I know that they're a person that yo-yos up and down in terms of weight. Um, yeah. so I'll come at it from a different angle. Um don't be so sporadically consistent. Um, and that's kind of ties in with another question that we're gonna speak about later on today, but like just be consistent all the time. Like you don't have to be amazingly great and perfect all the time. You just have to be consistently good. So I think if you can um, establish that from the start and do something, as Matt said, sustainably, you'll be able to do it for the rest of your life and you won't need to do these extreme drops all the time for certain parts and times of the year. Um, So yeah. Uh, And then with that is learning how to mean be at maintenance. I don't think people are educated in that at all, personally. Um, I don't think they, when they lose a ton of weight or they get to where they, the goal is or what they want to be, I don't think they know how to stay there. I don't think they know how to maintain it. So yeah. I would say learn maintenance is really, if not just as important as um, the, the the calorie deficit and, and the steps that you've taken to get there. Uh, and Three, I think you just need to be really uh, comfortable and you need to accept the fact that you're always going to need to work on yourself. Like just because you get to the end destination doesn't mean that all work stops. Like you're always going to have to train. Personally, I think everyone should be training all year round. I don't think it should be like something that you should pick up and let go. And you're always going to have to yeah, there'll be times where, you know, like you have a one too many few nights out and, you, you know, you let your foot off the gas a little bit. But then if you do it too much, then you're falling back into the that you're 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 only sporadically being consistent. It's not all year round consistency. Does that make sense? What I've yeah, said? definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So that's not so much a tactical tips because Matt already said that and there's no point me mirroring off the same stuff but uh they're more like think tips to think about over the long-term basis how can you create long-term consistency uh how am i going to learn to maintain where i'm at and be um be happy with the fact that you're always going to have to work on yourself yeah yeah i really like that actually that last bit you said i think it's important and that's something that i think you know without sounding too cheesy the older you get the more you appreciate yeah yeah and the more you value yeah um okay next question right 
so first one I've got best mindset to have going into your first bodybuilding show. So maybe I'll answer this one first, Dan. Yeah. Um, so best mindset is kind of is something that is difficult to kind of quantify, isn't it? It's like what's what's the best mindset? But I can go into the things that I think will help your mindset. Um so starting off, when you're going into your first ever bodybuilding school, for the majority of people that are in that scenario, they're they're already probably going to be quite highly motivated, motivated individuals. So you don't need to worry about motivation. You've probably already got some sort of solid foundation of discipline and motivation. So those aren't an issue. The things I would focus on the most are the mindset of being prepared and the mindset of being physically ready. So being prepared, I mean mentally, getting ready to literally be judged in a thong because that is physically what you're doing. You're actually being judged. And when you're on stage, you will see people pointing at your flaws. If you have any physical insecurities, they will be really exposed to the to potentially the whole of the internet. So you've got to mentally prepare yourself for that. And something that even I've experienced recently is you will get criticized online. Um, once you've set foot on a decent stage where a lot of people have their eyes on you. Now, how to deal with that is by just understanding that that's the nature of the sport. I think that's the easiest way I can describe it is that is the nature of bodybuilding. If you're someone who's too insecure or not confident enough to be judged by other people, then you're not ready or bodybuilding is just categorically not for you, in my opinion, because it is very, very harsh. Your critiques in bodybuilding will be your insecurities about yourself. So if someone says to you, if you're a guy who's got genetically um, narrow shoulders, everyone will point it out when you step on a bodybuilding stage. Um, If you're a guy who hasn't got the ability to get super, super muscular, everyone will say to you, you're a bit too small. That's why you didn't win. Or if you're a guy who doesn't get lean enough or a girl that doesn't get lean enough, everyone will tell you. Everyone who knows bodybuilding can see that as soon as you walk out on stage and Dan you've been to plenty of bodybuilding shows you know exactly what I'm talking about that does happen in bodybuilding um now in terms of the other side of it it's pre- preparation for the actual competing part so making sure that you're lean enough making sure that you've practiced your posing and making sure that when you sit alone in a dark room or you go to your bed every night you know you've done everything you can to make sure that you've given yourself the best opportunity to place well or to look your best I think from there that kind of sums up most of it. Um, I think the other thing that I always like to mention, especially to rookies who have never been on stage before, is make sure you enjoy it. Don't get so caught up in everything, the diet, the training, expectation level, that you don't end up enjoying it. If you don't enjoy it, it's not worth all the hard work. If you don't enjoy being on stage, anyone who's ever seen me go on stage knows that I absolutely love every second of it. And that's because I tell myself, you have to enjoy this. You have to enjoy it. You work too hard not to enjoy it, not to embrace it, not to make people who are there for you proud and look like you're comfortable on stage. So um, so I hope that answers the question. I feel like I've gone off on a couple of tangents, but I hope that that kind of helps. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I will probably mirror everything you said, but also add a little bit as well, only because... I can kind of compare it to what I do for my sport is uh, I would add in a little bit of like um, visualization um, go over in your head, like stepping on stage, going through every movement um, and then 
picture yourself getting your arm lifted uh, at the end with a trophy in front of you. Um, because, you know, like this sort of stuff, you, you, you know, you're, it, can, it can happen, you know. Um, like your client, Connor, he uh, went to his first show and he placed first. So visualization is much more powerful than what you think. It's where you can literally zone in and you can sort of create a step-by-step of what you're actually going to do and then the reward at the end. And uh, kind of just, yeah, what you just went back to there is see it as a blessing uh, rather than a sentence. Like, although, yes, you trained hard and, um, you know, it's not enjoyable doing any form of dieting or, or, or restricting your calories at all. Um, but you got to enjoy the process. you got to enjoy what it is you're going to do because if you see it as a prison sentence, the chances of you doing it again, very slim. Or the chances of you actually like maintaining your time within the sport is going to be very low. Yeah, I would agree. Another thing that I didn't learn until probably my second or third season as a bodybuilder is enjoy looking at yourself. That sounds really, really vain. And it sounds like, you know, pure vanity, but enjoy looking at yourself. There's nothing wrong with being self-confident in your skin. I, I think everyone should look in the mirror naked and be really happy with what they see. And that's that's something that I didn't do until maybe second or third season of bodybuilding. I just thought, I just looked in the mirror and thought, shit, I'm not lean enough yet. Or, oh, I'm not big enough yet. You know, I just had that mindset all the time. Whereas yeah, now yeah. when I'm competing, like this year more than ever, I posted way more stuff on Instagram because I was like, you know what? I'm proud of how I look. I'm happy yeah. that I can I can look like this. You know, I've I've earned this. I've earned this self satisfaction, this like pride within how I look in the mirror. Um, so try and enjoy it. You know, I don't think that's arrogant. I think that's just confident. Yeah. And uh, as I say, you work too hard not to enjoy it. So just enjoy looking at yourself when you're super duper lean. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next one. Uh, thoughts on carb cycling. You want me to go first or you want to go first? I'll let you take this one first. Okay. My thoughts personally are that it can be effective. I don't think it's necessary for anyone to do. I've seen people get stage lean without ever having carb cycling. Um, but I do think it can be an effective method. It's one It's one way to skin a cat. That's probably the best way of me describing it. It's one way to do it. Have I used it? Yes. Do I do it all the time? No. Um but it's definitely good and I'll I'll try and provide a situation where it is handy. So if someone has very different days in terms of calorie output, um, I think carb cycling can be used really effectively. So effectively what carb cycling is, is a different calorie intake for each day where you're effectively going, say, there's loads of different ways of using it, but one mechanism of using it is you'll have, say, two or three, three low days where your carbohydrate intake is very, very low. And then on the fourth or the fifth day, whatever it is, you'll throw in a high day where your carbs are maybe triple to quadruple the amount of your low days. Now, what that does is it basically creates a large calorie deficit. And then on that one day, you're basically going back up to maintenance, maybe a slight surplus. But overall, the course of a week, you're still at a net loss. So your ability to burn body fat is still there. So where that can be useful is in a few different scenarios. The one I'm going to use is a runner. Okay, so let's say you're a runner that wants to cover long distances, but also has extensive training periods. So if, I, if I'm if i doing a short run, where I'm doing more of a speed run, that could be on a low day. I don't need lots and lots of glycogen to do that run. If my next day is a rest day, that could be another low day. If the following day is a long run, I could throw in a high day to support that. So that energy requirement is a lot higher. Therefore, the high day is going to be better suited 
to that situation. And then the following day, <clears throat> after a long run, typically most runners would take a rest day. So that would be back to another low day. So over the course of those four days, you are in a calorie deficit, but it hasn't really affected your training program. You've still been able to recover well. You've still been able to replenish the glycogen that you've burned in that long run. Um, and you're still able to get fitter, essentially. Another scenario where it could be good <clears throat> is a long dieting phase where you're trying to get to seriously low body fat. So let's say you have an upper body day, a rest day, and then a leg day. Same thing would apply. A couple of low days, the leg day being the higher demand for calories, you throw in a high day, maybe your glycogen stores are refilled for that one day. The following day might be a rest day after your leg day, and therefore your glycogen stores go lower and you're back into a deficit. So effectively, your ability to burn body fat is still there because you're still at a net deficit for the course of a week. Um, so yeah, I think that covers it from my end. Um, I do think it's effective, but I don't think it's necessary. Yeah, I, that's that's pretty much what I would say. Um, I think it's just a tool in the toolbox, uh, really. And, you know, you have to look at it like, what is your goal? Um, if it's just, you know, you want to improve your body composition or, or you know, drop a bit of weight for, like, self-confidence reasons, I don't think it's all that necessary. And um, you talked about it on a more, like, low carb low days um um to build up to somebody that's training for a, either a long event or or somebody that really needs the calories um but like even you can use it even on like a day-to-day -day basis like you can cycle your carbs literally around your workout um i i've done it i've known other people that's done it is it a hundred percent effective do i think it's like the magic pill no not really personally um i do myself if i know i have a heavier day when i know i've got like squats and deadlifts and heavy bench press like will i have a little bit more carbs a couple of hours before my workout yeah do i always get to do that no um so you know like it, it's something that can be used. Do I think it's the be all of end all? Not really. Um, could it be useful if you have the time and effort to do it? Yeah, I suppose it could, but um, I wouldn't let it consume you, especially if your goal is composition. Concentrate and get yourself calorie deficit is the king and the key. Um, don't let anything overshadow that because I think people get caught up in how are my carbs? How are my protein? You know, like my meal timing, blah, blah, blah. Like, and that overshadows the fact that you're not cutting weight because you're not in a calorie deficit. So that's the only yeah. thing you add on. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Right, next one. Go for it. What do you, I'll come to you first, Dan, then I'll answer it. Maybe because I haven't thought of an answer yet. What do you think your unique skill is that has helped you be successful in your sport? I think um, this isn't really a skill, but uh, I think starting early helped me a lot. Um, starting from a very young age, I started judo at the age of nine. So I think mm. that gave me a leg up on a lot of the competition. Uh, I also think that I'm quite relentless in terms of my work rate um, is quite high. Uh, I've always been like that. I think that's just a trait that's like through my family. Like 
not saying they're all like machines, but you know, they've worked all their lives. They've all had manual uh, labor and jobs that they've done for years and years. And that kind of like transpired to me that like, if anything, talent wise, I was pretty okay. I'm not the most talented in terms of judo, but one thing I do know is I work really fucking hard. Um, I'll be, you know, outworked by somebody better talented, yes, but will I be outworked by somebody that is fitter and works harder than me? I'd like to put my money on myself for that. Good answer. So you're talking and I still don't have my answer. <laughs> um, I don't know because I think with my sport, with bodybuilding, I think the unique... Do you want do you want me to think what the answer is for you that I that I know about you? On you go. I think your attention to detail is very, very precise. Like you don't leave any stone unturned. You make sure all areas of the dark room are lit up. Um and that helps with bodybuilding because <laughs> symmetry from every angle, you need to look kind of perfect. Um and I think that's something that you spent the last 10 years, maybe even longer now, um, like obsessing over. So I, I, I would say that. Yeah, you know what? It's it's hard to disagree. I think it's a personality trait that is quite intense to some people. Mm -hmm. um, the reason I wouldn't use that and the reason I, I agree with what you said, by the way, I do think I'm like that. But the reason I wasn't going to say that is because I don't think that that's unique to me. I think that's just a typical okay. bodybuilder trait. Okay. You know what I mean? I think a lot of bodybuilders have that same trait. Like if we spoke to Andy and Greg, Clara, Vaughn, that was on the podcast before, I think they're all probably like that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, that's definitely the way I am. And it's it's probably quite annoying to be around at times, maybe a bit frustrating for people. Um, I've definitely had that feedback over the years from certain people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just the way certain people are wired different, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll go with that as my answer for the sport. Right, same question. What do you think is your unique skill, but the one that's helped you in your job? <clears throat> um, this is. I have an answer if you want me to go first. Yeah, you, yeah, you go first. You go first. So I think my personal skill that I think I've developed a lot over the years is my ability to understand people. So. You can develop technical skill of personal training and technical um, execution. I feel like anyone can do that. I think personally, me, I think my like people skills have improved a lot. Not that they were terrible before. I think I've always been a bit of a people person when it comes to chatting. Um, but understanding people on a bit more of a deeper level than just, you know, how's your training going? did you manage your squats this week? Yeah, That's so generic. Anyone can stand on a gym floor and say that. But yeah. understanding people, okay, maybe they're emotionally a little bit fatigued. Maybe we should do something different. Okay, you're really struggling with this. Right, I'm going to give you this. Okay, right, you need a deload. Your cortisol is probably pretty high. Okay, you've had a massive argument. Let's take this down a little bit tonight. You know, just like little things like that. I think that's something that I've improved with over the years and something that um I'd like to think I'm decent at now. So that's my answer. Yeah, do you know, I'd agree with that. I'm probably going to mirror some of that. I compare our job to just being like a really fancy ass detective. Um, and the fact that everything you just said there is this like anyone can go, and I mean anyone, not even just a PT, but anyone can ask, how's your training going? Um, 
but it's the ability to look like further and deeper into that. Why is something not working? Why is something working? Like what's went well for you? And also another good thing I think about myself is, is that I have quite a, a good story, a good background story personally for myself. Like I, I can actually put my self in other people's shoes and um, client shoes, uh, especially, especially the ones that have been like more overweight and yeah. really struggled with problems like self-confidence and people speaking about them being made fun of like I've went through it all uh, and I've came out the other end. So I really do feel like I have a strong uh, sort of authority uh, in that sort of space to be able to take you out of the hole really uh, and come up with a game plan to, to get you where you want to be. Um, and also as well, just like being like ultra understanding, like, and this probably goes for both of us, like, it's and definitely I think with you it's definitely gotten better with age, but you're like definitely more understanding of things. Um, situations like oh you know you've had a mass argument, so let's not push, you know I'm uh, you know an incredibly heavy session at the gym tonight because we notice that things can happen like especially if you're doing heavy things like squats and bench press if your mind's not in it and you drop that bar like. It's only going to land on you, you know, so it's being more um, like understandable to that things, that kind of things as well. One thing I think, you know, I'm still trying to think of the answer to the first question is <laughs> um, one, I give myself zero credit. Um, one thing that helps me with bodybuilding that is, is a trait that I have is uh, I don't really care about people's negative opinions. So in bodybuilding, negative opinions can really affect you because you're so exposed. Like I talked about earlier in the podcast, your physique is literally judged by anyone who looks at a picture of you. Yeah. And um, a lot of the time in a negative way, yeah, out of, out of insecurity sometimes, you're judged in a negative way or you're judged as a, as a bit of a, a show-off or a narcissist just because you're in good shape. You know, it's not, it's not a reflection of your personality. It's just the way people see you visually. So I think something that I've uh, always not really been phased by is other people's opinions. It doesn't really bother me. Um, I was talking about this the other day. Is um, you know, lots of people could have an opinion about me that's negative, and it wouldn't penetrate my psyche. You know, it yeah, doesn't. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't bother me whatsoever. There's maybe about five people that are close to me that have a valid opinion on me as a bodybuilder that I would actually consider. Yeah. And outside of that, it's probably just judges that shows. Yeah. You know. So yeah. Right. Next question. Um. When would you recommend anyone doing intermittent fasting? Good question. Do you know the person who asked this? Not personally. Okay, cool. So the person who asked this, because I don't know if you've done it or not, I'm just going to pretend that you haven't done it in my head. So intermittent fasting, a situation where I think it's beneficial is if you're struggling with stomach issues, if you're struggling with digestion and effectively intermittent fasting by going a long period without consuming any food whatsoever, you're effectively giving your digestive tract. So your stomach, your intestines, you're giving it a break. Now, giving it a break is going to be like pushing a reset button. If you think about someone like myself who eats six, seven times a day, I'm constantly having to digest food. My body's constantly processing calories and uptaking nutrients on a, on a high um on a high frequency yeah 
if you're intermittent fasting on a daily basis, you're giving yourself much longer without taxing that digestive tract. So it is a complete rest. It's relaxing. It's resetting. And if you have stomach issues, if you have bloating, IBS, um, issues with um, producing enough HCL within your stomach, then I think intermittent fasting can be a really, really good tool for you because it's going gonna, it's gonna to allow you more time without processing food. And therefore, you're more likely to have good digestion and uh, an effective digestion as well. Yeah, um, that was going to be my answer. But uh, I will say then, you know, um, I would tell someone or, or recommend somebody to do it that can't really stomach any food first thing in the morning um, or doesn't really have the time. Like, uh, you know, some people get up. At the, you know at the bare wire like five minutes before they're supposed to leave to go to work you know so it could be a useful tactic um also as well it could just be another tactic to make sure you adhere to your calorie targets um it could be a way for you to create a deficit um because you're shortening the the <clears throat> pardon me the window that you're actually consuming calories in yeah. um again do i think it's like a magic pill answer to things no it's just preference and um, personally for me i would look at it in two ways do i like eating first thing no okay so i'll push back my first meal to as late as possible uh, and i have done intermittent fasting before and i usually do like sort of 11 7 12 till 8 p.m um uh, uh so i would look at that and or i would look at like um am I kicking the hell out of my digestive system here? Um, because uh, it needs a bit of a rest. Those are two of the major factors uh, that I would take into consideration before just telling anyone to be like, go and do it and see how you get on. One thing I would add to the person listening to this or to anyone else who's also considering it is try it, try a fast for 16 to 20 hours and see how you feel. Yeah. If your stomach feels fantastic after it, it might be a good idea to implement that for at least one day a week. Um, for me personally, if I'm ever really struggling with digestion, and uh, and I have done in the past, I mean, I'm a bodybuilder that eats 300 grams of protein a day. Of course, I'm going to struggle at some point. Um, what's fixed it for me, or what's the reset button for me, is fasting. Yeah. So maybe one day every three or four months, to be honest, I just won't eat for 24 hours. I just won't eat anything for 24 hours. Let the system just completely run dry of any nutrients and um, and just have a bit of a rest, really. And then I'm really hungry the next day. Everything digests well. Your body's processing the food efficiently. And uh, as I say, it's like it's like a reset button. Yeah, totally agree. So just try it. Try it and see how you feel. Yeah. Next yeah. one, Dan. Next one. Okay. So the last ones we kind of save. Well, I don't know if you've got any more, but the last couple of ones I've got here are just sort of funny ones. Left them to last. And um, so the first one I've got here is. Who won in a swimming race on holiday? I can safely say that we didn't actually race on holiday. All we did was stupid dives into the pool. Who had the best dive? Um, we were kicking a football. We were playing like Kirby with a beach volleyball, weren't we? Yeah. Um, so we didn't actually race. <clears throat> um, however, if I was to say who would win in a swimming race, I know Matt doesn't float, so I'm going to have to back myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely didn't have any races, but um, if we were to race, it would depend on the distance. 
So the longer the distance is, the more it would suit you. The shorter the distance is, the more it would suit me. I'm built for power and speed, definitely not for duration. So like <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to muscle and water, it doesn't do well for a long period of time. No, definitely doesn't. So anything over about 50 meters, I'm done. <laughs> Plus, it has been said in the past that I'm dangerous over a short distance. Yeah, definitely. Um da, 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 da. Right, uh, who would be an overall winner uh, if both of you did the decathlon? Me. It's a stupid question to ask because none of us are going to openly turn around and say the other. I'm obviously going to back myself. Um, I don't even really know. I know there's like things like discus, shot put. There's 1,500-meter run. There's the long jump, high jump, javelin. Yeah, so I think... I think overall, genuinely speaking, I, I do think I would win. I think the um, javelin, discus, and jumping would all suit me more than you, I think. Uh, I'm going to have to back myself, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think for the, the longer run, I think you'd probably beat me. Oh, man, I'd wipe the floor with you. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's also a sprint, and I'd back myself on a sprint. <clears throat> we will at some point try out something. I mean, we've still got to go try things like bloody pole vaulting and yeah, and, uh, I things think like that. As long as the sprint doesn't, as long as the sprint doesn't exceed a hundred meters, I would back myself. If it, yeah. as soon as we go past a hundred meters, I'm I'm banking on you all day of the week. Right. Um, and then <clears throat> the last one uh, is when and where is the next bromance holiday? I don't really think we've discussed destination but i think we've kind of said to ourselves that we're going to try and go away every summer because um, yeah. we went away and it was kind of near my birthday as well which was quite good um so yeah i mean i'm happy to keep going to portugal personally because i had the best time ever and the most relaxing time ever but i'm sure at some point we'll add in some different destinations to the list <laughs> yeah 100 percent. i think we did mention amsterdam remember we did, we did. So I'm sure at some point we'll nail that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's loads of options we could do, to be fair, but nothing nothing planned so far. Nothing planned, yeah. Right, I think that kind of ties us up for our q and I really thoroughly enjoyed that because we went into some science, we uh, gave some golden nuggets for people to take away with, and then there were some funny Q&As at the end there. So I think the listener has got a bit of everything. But uh, yeah, thanks very much for listening to uh, another one of our episodes.